Today we're going to see how Rashi uses the details of what the Nesim brought to inaugurate the Mishkan as a means of teaching us the shift that happened once we received the Torah and could use it to impact the world. So in the parasha from Kabbonus and Nesim, when it comes to the second Nasi in the section about the Nesim, Rashi quotes me, Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan, quoting from the principles of Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan, as he brought him to Kabbonus and Nesim, that the details of what the Nesim brought as the Kabbonus all allude to very specific things about Judaism. And we're going to question why Rashi lists these particular things, what they teach us, why he presents them in the order that he does. So first he tells us, Karas Kesef, that the silver bowl is a gematria tough tough kuflamid, has a gematria value of 930, which is connected to Shnosef Shaladimarishan, corresponding to Avramov in his lifespan. Mizrak Echad Kesef, then it talks about the other silver container, the Mizrak, which is a kind of a silver basin. So that corresponds, Hashem Noach V'chulah corresponds to Noach Kafachas, Kenegadat Torah, then there was a spoon or ladle that corresponds to the Torah, silver spoon. Parechod, Ayelechod, Kevasechod, then there's three different types of animals that were each brought in singular. There was a bull, there was a ram, there was a, a, lamb, a sheep. Zani Kenegadi Ovois, Rashi explains how each of those corresponds to one of the three Ovois. Sirizim, Lechapel, Mechiras, Yosef, then afterwards there was a goat, and that is to atone for Yosef who was sold, and the blood of the goat was used to represent his blood. And then there was a Shlomim offering that was made of two. Two bulls, that's connected Moshe and Aaron, that compares to Moshe and Aaron. And then, Elim Atudim Kivosim, three types of rams, he goats, and, uh, and lambs, or sheep, they correspond to the three sectors of the Jewish community, Koyen, Levi, and Yisrael, and as we'll see, also the books of Tanakh. So it's interesting that Rashi should even get into this conversation about what things represent in the what the Karbonis were of the Nasim. And So it is interesting. Why would he bring something which is from the realm of Remez in his interpretation, which is which is Pshat? Usually he keeps to simple things. And if he has to bring these insights for whatever reason, why does he only quote it when we're up to the second Nasi? It would have made more sense the very first time we encountered these things at the first Nasi. That's when he should have spoken about them. So the Rebbe previously explained in detail that Rashi's general question is why would the Torah repeat all of the details of identical Karbonos 12 times to represent the 12 Nasim? Considering they all brought identical Karbonos. So when you get to the second Nasi, that's when this question arises because that's the time where the Torah should have said from the second Nasi and on the Torah should have said that the second and the third etc. all brought the same Karbonos that the first Nasi brought. Therefore, Rashi is the fact that the Torah doesn't do that but instead gets into detail that illustrates to Rashi that even though the actual carbonus were identical from Nasi to Nasi, the intentions and focus of each Nasi was obviously unique when he brought his carbon. And his focus matched whatever his particular shevet was 
focused on in their service of Hashem. So naturally then, every carbon of every Nasi, because of the intention behind it, is completely different to the carbonos of the other Nasiim. That would explain why the Torah teaches each one uniquely and individually and repetitively. And those was actually bringt out of Blazain Remus Fayedon Sukarman, and those Darf Fayent from the Midup Ibrahim Bala Shvotim Zwelfmol. Now it is interesting that Rashi only gives us one interpretation of one of the, Nas- the Nasim's carbon, and we're supposed to extrapolate out from that to the other carbonos, which is not like the Medrash, Nitve Medrash, from a Gefin by Yednos and under Remus Fadim Zelvon Sukarman, where the Medrash goes into much greater detail and says every single Nasi representing his Shevet has a particular thing that these same carbonates represent, represent that is unique to his Nasi. Why doesn't Rashi get into that level of detail? It's because if you look at what Rashi is discussing over here, each of the details that he quotes of what the carbon represents is something that represents a very general, very broad, generic principle that could be divided into various other smaller principles. And yet, the Nasi had got in them Remus Claudia and under Kavone Protis, was it Sugi passes ein Shevet, where Claire Dorton Barucho. And as the Rebbe has explained elsewhere, there's a general principle that is relevant to each symbol within the Carbonos, and each Nasi then focused that general principle to his specific intention. Still, there's still a question we have to address in this Sicha, which is, one thing is clear. As the Nemozin from the other Protia Carbon from Yedin Nasi, the fact that there are these specific things that this item represents that and the next item represents something else. That's not just an assembly of a whole lot of unrelated concepts that are just put together. They must be the details of an overarching theme and message and we have to find out what that is. Look at the Medrash, it does exactly that. Before it gets into the details of saying this Nasi representing this Shevet had these intentions, first it says, first the Medrash will give us an overarching theme that belongs to this Nasi and his Shevet and then the details. And then the next Nasi, his overarching theme, etc. For example, Nachshan al Seda Hamelucha, Nachshan represents the whole concept of royalty, Nasan al Nasanal represents Torah giving, etc. And he goes through all of them. We don't see that in Rashi. The way that Rashi lists the various things of what each part of the carbon represents, we don't see a theme. We don't see that these are details speaking to a broader topic. Im Edrash is Do Adea. The Medrash, for example, has an opinion that says, as the Alazach was the Nasim of Makikaven, that whatever the Karbanis were that the Nasim brought, they corresponded Zainin Keneged Hadurish Shehoyumi Odomarishan, Vadam Mishkan. Part of it represents the history and the chronology from Adam Arish until the time of the building of the Mishkan. And part of it represents the key mitzvahs that the Yidin were given. And then the Medrash goes into those details and says, the silver bowl is Adam, the silver basin is Noyach, etc. So with that in mind, we should have been able to say, Rashi is doing a similar thing. Two groups. Some of what Rashi speaks about speaks to the chronology of the generations from Adam to the Mishkan. Some of what he speaks about is about mitzvahs. You'd think. 
On Vayarus and Nachman Faradi Deiris, as as Rashi himself says, Adam Rishon Vatoldosov that the first pole represents Adam and his descendants. Nech Vatoldosov the basin represents Nech and his descendants. Shivim Umois he speaks about the nations. The Abois Yosef Moshe Ve'Aram. So that's the chronology side. Or mitzvah shenitztavun. Apparently, Rashi also speaks about the mitzvahs that the Eden were given by talking about Torah, Aser Sadibros, Tarek Mitzvahs, Torah Nevim Chsuvim, Bichole. So it would seem that Rashi fits with that opinion in the Medrash that all the symbolism in these carbonates of the Nesim fall into two categories: either the chronology of the period up until the Mishkan or mitzvahs. The only thing is, it doesn't really seem to fit with Rashi. So when Achalzkasha. Firstly, we're going to ask some broad questions, and then we're going to get into some detailed questions. First of all, I left the kasha from Maharal. Maharal has a question over here. Vos v'ashaychas of Mishnayis Odom Arishin v'noyach to unze inyan chalukas hamizbech v'amishkon. Simple question. Why would Adam Arishin and Noyach and their lifespans, or how old Noyach was before he began having children, why is that relevant to what we're talking about, which is consecrating the Mishkan? Number two base, the Fizevodim de Kabonis Mitzer and Amazim Gidav Zanlot and Seder Hadoris. Obviously, if you're talking about Karbonis that represent chronology, then surely the Karbonis should be in the right order to represent that chronology. Favos is a mafsik sufficient de Kabonis, Keneged Noyach, Unavrom, Mikafachas, Kenegra Terevachole. Then, how does the order work? <coughs> First, we have the Mizrach, which represents Noyach. Then we have the three animals that are supposed to represent Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And in between, we have Kavachas, which represents the Torah, which is a later period. So it's not chronological. So is Rashi really agreeing with the Medrash that the symbolism in these Karbonos matches the chronology of the generations until the Mishkan and the principle of mitzvahs? Besides that, there are some more specific questions we have to analyze. Firstly, when, when Rashi describes what the Torah means when it says that there's this golden ladle, that is, ten shekels of weight, his Rashi she explains as follows. The single ladle, kaf is also a word that could be used for hand. That's represents the Torah which was given by Hashem's hand. Asora Zohov, the ten gold, that's Kenegad Asasadibros, represents the ten commandments. And then later, when he speaks about the three kinds of animals that were brought, firstly he relates them to Kohanim Levim and Yisrael. And then he says, That refers also to Tanakh. And then beyond that, he says, because it says, So the three times five, that's Keneged Chamisha Chumashin. One of them represents the five books of Torah. Then, The other five represents the five Dibros on one tablet, and five on the other tablet. Why do we need two different carbonos to both allude to Torah? And why do we need two carbonos to refer to the Sadibra? So Kafachas is Torah, then Elim Atudim Chamishim is Tanach, and the first Chamisha refers to Chumash. Then you have Asarazov is Aser Sadibras, but then you have Chamisha Chamisha, which refers to the Aser Sadibras. Why do we need two things? Second question, base. From the Shain Rashi in Zampirashim, let's also look at what Rashi said specifically when he described these three types of animals, the rams, the he goats, and the sheep. He says it's First he says it corresponds to the three segments of the Jewish community. Oh, and refers to Tanakh. It's not like he says it's a different opinion. 
is mochach. The fact that Rashi puts an and in between the two implies Rashi is not telling us two different explanations of what the Ayyolim, Atudim, and Kavasim represent. Not does his ain pirush, it's one explanation that represents two things. The remus from Gimel Minim, these three things, Ayolim, Atudim, Kibasim, is Kail Dikehanim Ulvim Israelim Tuzaman Mitarunavim Khsuvim. That represents the three segments of the Jewish community together with the three segments of the Torah. Is Tamua, we can in Gimel Minim Zanin Keneged Zek Zachan. So how does that work? You have three things that you're telling me represent six things. That's mathematically uh, misaligned. Next set of questions will be on what Rashi says next. After Rashi tells us what these three species represent, the Koyanim Levim Yisraelim and Tanach, then Rashi continues why there were five of each of those species. And he tells us, why they three times five, to represent the five books of Torah, and the five Debrois that are on one of the tablets and five on the other. Now from Vashtein, that also needs to be explained. Because Allah, firstly, the fact that the word Chamisho is used three times in the Pasuk, is not something which is relevant to all three of the previous species. In other words, you say there's Torah, Nevim, and Kasuvim represent Ayolim, Atudim, and Kavasim, but then the Chamisha only speaks to Torah, not to the other two. Should be in its own conversation. In other words, the fact that these three types of animals had to be brought in groups of five is the fact that there's five of each of them speaks to a different topic, which is relevant to the symbolism of the number five. So it's not move on. It doesn't really make sense. You already mentioned Torah. We know that Torah is made out of five chumashim. Why do you now need another five as a symbol of the five chumashim? Torah is five chumashim. Why do you need that? Base, another question. Look at the order in which Rashi tells us what the three groups of five represent. The first five, he says, well, that's the five books of Torah. And then the next five represents five of the Debrois on the Luchos. One second. So, are you or are you not talking about the five uh, Debrois as they were engraved on the Luchos? Because if they were engraved on the Luchos, that happens before this Chumashim. Now you're first describing that there's five Chumashim, and then you're talking about the Debrois. How does that work? From the Luchos Zainan Gegeben Givoren, free of the Chamesh Chumashim. The logic and the, the um, chronology is, first there were the Luchos, then there's the concept of a Chumash, of an actual book. Logic says, Rashi should have first said, there's a five to represent five Debrois on the Luchos, there's a five to represent the other five Luchos on the Debrois, and now we can talk about the five books of Chumash that come after that. It sounds like Rashi is actually describing the two sets of five Debrois 
as they appear in the Chumash printed version as opposed to the Luchos engraved version. Why would he say that? Now the first thing that crosses your mind is, but obviously Rashi must be talking about the five Debrois on the Luchos, because that's what he says, the five that are written on one tablet, and the five that are written on the other tablet. Because the reality is, why are there two Luchos to represent the Aseris Adibros? It's not only practically, because maybe it'd be too heavy or too big or whatever. Nor, the fact that the appearance of the Luchos was two separate Luchos with five and five Debrois is because there's one category of Debrois that includes these five and a different category that includes those five. What's the distinction? Well, there's two possible distinctions. The first five Debrois are primarily positive mitzvahs, even though some of them are stated in the negative. The fact that you may not have another God. That you can't take Hashem's name in vain. Already subtext of the primary positive mitzvah to only believe in Hashem. And the other five Debrois are clearly all negative commandments. One way that you could split them. Or there's another way you could split them. The first five Debrois are in primarily the conduct between a person and Hashem. Even honoring parents is related to our relationship with Hashem. As the Gemara tells us, that there are three partners in the creation of a human, obviously, and the parents. And as the Gemara tells us, that the equated honor of parents to honor of him. So the first five Debrois are about relationship to Hashem. And the second five Debrois are relationship between ourselves. Okay, so when Rashi says five were written on the Luchos, and five were written on the Luchos, he's not saying we're now discussing them as they appeared on the Luchos. We're saying they're split into two groups of five. That's how they're on the Luchos because they're two different categories of mitzvahs. But if Rashi positions these five Debrois and five Debrois after telling us about the five Chumashen, it sounds like he's saying it's the Debrois as they appear in the Chumash, not as they appear on the Luchas themselves. In that case, Dav and we have to understand that So this doesn't make sense. We already have something that represents Torah, not just the broad concept of Torah, because there's Elim, Atudim, and Kivosim. No we already have something that alludes to the five Chumashim. Why do we now need another thing to represent the Aseris Adibros? Plus, we already have Asar Azov, which represents the Aseris Adibros. Why do we have to have the Aseris Adibros split into five and five? Chamisha, Chamisha. Surely, we've already covered all of this. To answer all of these questions that we have on Rashi's interpretation and what the symbolism is and why he chose these particular things, we have to address a broader question that applies to the whole concept of the Nesim bringing Karbonos to induct the Mishkan. What the Nesim were doing here was they were not donating something to the Mishkan like various other things that were brought, you know, to, to so to speak, contribute to the Mishkan, like the uh, calves. This is to initiate the Mizbech. 
Was der Chinuch am Mizbeach hat sich aufgetan, darf durch die Sachen, was man hat merkt, gewinnt, öffnen Mizbeach. To initiate the Mizbeach, you needed a very specific formula of certain carbonoids to be brought on the Mizbeach. This is what the Nesim are doing. In other words, these Seyres Belulah B'Shem Namincha, Ketores, and Eilach Hatzis Shlomim. These are the things that have to be brought. There has to be this Mincha offering, there has to be Ketores, and there have to be the three categories of Karbonis, Eilach Hatzis Shlomim. See if that's the case, if he says, Nit Muvan, Vas Te Pasuk Hoipt On, Samalem Ersten, if that's the case. If this is where they're inaugurating the Mishkan, and the way they're inaugurating the Mishkan is by bringing Karbonis, how come it is that when we're introduced to the Nasim and the Karbonis, we don't immediately talk about when the Pasuk starts to talk about the Karbonis, it doesn't immediately address the actual Karbonis, but rather, what they brought the Karbonis in, the silver bowl, the silver basin that accompanied these Karbonis. And the Torah doesn't just tell us they existed, Tells us how much they weighed, how what they were like. And as I heard, then also by kafachas, kiluviti kelim zanin god the roish veikov from chanukas chanukas amizbech. And then a little bit later, we we put in the ladle. It makes it sound as if these are key to the mizbech. How does that work? The mizbech is a place you bring korbanos. None of these items are actually going to go onto the mizbech. Why are they so integral to the inauguration of the mizbech? And as we're about to discover, we're going to distinguish between kalim, which are effectively inanimate, and the things brought on the Mizbech, which were once alive. The Bir Bucholze. says, Mestabah Bepashtus, it's quite logical, as the Remozim from the Karbonis Lechanukas HaMizbech, Shebem Mishkon, that all of the things alluded to about the Karbonis that were brought to inaugurate the, mish, the Mizbech, Zainan in the Inyan HaMizbech, they must center on things to do with the Mizbech. Dainu, in other words, it's not just that we're bringing carbonos on the Mizbech. These carbonos will express the goal and purpose of the Mizbech. Which means that these Nesim, bringing these carbonos, they had to bring the carbonos in a specific way, specific order, a specific number of contributions. And welches is merumas der chidesh vasotzich uvkiton der mit vasis dodemizbech. And whatever they would bring and how they would bring it, all of that would illustrate what has now changed and what this mizbech introduces the gabed and friedek matzav compared to how we served Abishta before there was this mizbech. So what does this mizbech achieve? So what is the edge that a carbon brought on the Mizbech and the Mishkan had? Compared to any carbon brought prior to Matan Torah by Adam, Noyach, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, etc. is as follows. As we well know, the purpose of the Mishkan is as the Pasuk tells us, you make the structure and I will dwell within you. As in the goal and purpose of the Mishkan is create a space where Hashem's presence will actually be tangible and revealed. Until you take a place that is built out of physical material and it becomes a holy sanctuary of godliness. 
That's the goal of the Mishkan. The Mishkan, which is the tuning fork of the entire Mishkan. Same goal. So, what do you do with the Mizbech? You bring an animal that previously was mundane, an ordinary item, and you transform it into a sacrifice to the Ebishter, to the point that you can actually see the transformation. You could see it become holy. You take a physical animal, you put it on a Mizbech, and it's consumed by a divine fire. You see the transformation happen. The Mizbeach reflects the goal of the Mishkan. Take ordinary things and make them holy. Now if Sarah bring an Odeh Uftu to illustrate this great advantage of the new Mizbeach in the Mishkan over anything that had happened before, the Nasim brought two groups of things as part of the Korban to illustrate this point. One group would tell us the story of the past and one would tell us the story of what has now changed. The erish the sukarbonis is nirma is nirma zindikayim or minchok teiras vasinze. The first group or category of karbonis that the nesim brought included all these various utensils and the teiras and the mincha. As is eris merames safety karbonis vasimhat makriv given frir farmis beachshav mishkan. They all represent how we served the ibishda before there was a mishkan. Well, how did we serve Hashem then? Before the Mishkan, we also brought Korbanes. But you didn't have that immediate manifestation of divine fire to devour those Korbanes, which would illustrate Hashem's presence. So where do you see that in the things the Nasim were bringing? How do they illustrate that there's no divine presence yet? You bring the silver bowl, it remains a silver bowl. You bring the mincha, it's a mincha. You bring the kateris, it's burning. Whereas the animal sacrifices, the animal itself, or at the very least, it's fat and, and blood, which is like the key of what keeps that animal alive. You see them change. You see them transform. You see the fire come and devour them. Now this same theme, the one type of carbon where nothing fundamentally changes and the other type of carbon where everything changes is also represented by the different materials that are used for these two different types of carbonus. Decarbonus in what you brought inside those silver dishes, that's mincha unketoyres, minachai, are not carbonus brought from what was once a living animal. On the inze is nitnika dechayas zera. In other words, you don't see them alive. You look at the flower in a bowl, you don't see it alive. You look at the herbs in the kataris, you don't see it alive. You bring the animal to the Uzbech, before you shecht it, it's very much alive. The other korbanis, they're living animals. And there, does is meramiz, as durch a mishkan um izbech, is nishadish givorin de ili from gile ashura sashchina. The fact that you're bringing living beings is a sign of the fact that this mizbeach is a living experience of divine revelation. As fundemen bechol machmen chayu kedusha, that you take something which was inanimate and you're bringing it to life. That's the symbolism of you have the chay, and particularly the fact that the chay would then be consumed by the fire and transformed into something which is clearly holy. 
the Uftu Bas is doing Mishkan Mizbech Lachrim Adn Teira. So, what is the achievement of the Mishkan? What is the achievement of the Mizbech, which obviously are only in place because the Teira has been given? That's directly related to the effect of Matan Torah. What did Matan Torah do? Matan Torah transformed us. We are no longer ordinary people. We're now a kingdom of Koyhanim and a holy nation. We changed. Because we changed to become holy, we're now empowered that through the mitzvahs we do, we change the item to become holy. And it's so clear that even a child who doesn't really know the sophistication of how transformation of holiness works can see this item is now holy. We treat it differently. So even though, of course, the main change that transformed us from being just regular humans into becoming holy humans who could have an impact on the world, that only happened in Matan Torah. But there's a taste of it that happens already earlier. So the transformation of becoming a holy nation is only at the foot of Mount Sinai. And only then are we given all the 613 mitzvahs. But Avram Avinu already experienced a sampling of that experience. Where do we see that? That's why he had to be given the mitzvah bris by Hashem. He couldn't volunteer to do it. That would put Debesh's covenant into the physical flesh of his body. That would actually transform his body. That would no longer just be an ordinary anatomy. It would actually be considered an item of a mitzvah that Avram Avinu could use in order to do an oath later with Eliezer when it's time to find a wife for Yitzchak. Why? Because he's been transformed. That is the first sample we ever get of the physical world being transformed into holiness. Ah, Avram Avinu is that person. Now we can start to understand the order in which Rashi presents to us the various things alluded to in the various elements of what the Nesim brought as a Karbonus. And it's all He says clearly to us, this is from Drush, I learned it from Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan, but it's Drush which works well with and is close to the Pshat. The first thing is, Rashi is telling us all of what symbolized in these korbanos belongs to two categories. One category is those inanimate objects. Anything that is in the world of inanimate, that belongs to all the nations of the world or to the great people who lived before the giving of the Torah or even before having a relationship with Torah as Avraham Avinu did. They're doimem items because they represent a period in history or, or a group of people where the divine energy and life force is not automatically visible. And anything which has to do with a living animal, that will be symbolism of things related to the Jewish nation. Firstly, talking about the actual people, Avram Avinu all the way through us, and then of course the mitzvahs as well, as we'll see. There's still a question. Uh, one second. You're telling me that anything which is an inanimate object is related to the non-Jewish world or to those people prior to Matan Torah. And anything which is a living creature, that's our language. That represents the Jewish people and the living godliness inside physical matter. 
Well, if that's the case, how then can you be talking about the golden ladle that is filled with katoiris? That's something the ladle is inanimate. What's inside it comes from the plant world. How could that refer to Torah? The Ten Commandments and the 613 mitzvahs. How does that work? Didn't we just say that anything related to the Jewish journey is represented by living creatures? Is the beer in them? So that too, Rashi explains. Rashi is domedayek. Rashi is specific in his language. He says, "Askaf achas." This ladle is kenegda Torah. Represents Torah. She nitno miyodesh al Hakadosh Baruch Hu as it was given from Hashem's hands. What's he telling us? But does make nitter bechlal. He's not talking here about this is a representation of Torah in its broadest sense. Now the luchos. He's talking about Torah in a specific sense of the luchos. Vos ba'zei daf gefin menad nesinim miyodesh shel Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The luchos are the part of Torah that are given by Hashem's hand. And likewise, when he says that the ten, the number ten that is associated with the weight and size of this ladle, corresponds to the ten dibrois, and tarig mitzvahs, and the, that it's filled with katoris, which has the gematria value and therefore represents the six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs, all of that mitos niti asesadibros and tarig mitzvahs farzich is not describing the Aseres Adibras, all the 613 mitzvahs, independently. Rather, it's describing how the luchos encapsulate within them all of what would eventually translate into 613 independent mitzvahs that we could learn about in practice. So we're describing over here the DNA of the 613 mitzvahs contained inside the luchos presented by Hashem's hands. Now, why would that all be doimem? We'll get there. In other words, Rashi is telling us, we're looking at this point, at the Luchos. The Luchos have on them 10 Dibrois. Inside those 10 Dibrois are the 613 Mitzvahs. And we know this already because Rashi already previously told us that all of the 613 Mitzvahs are incorporated within and encapsulated within the 613, sorry, the Aserasad Dibrois. Okay, so why is this doyme? Because this ladle with its katoris represents the Torah as presented by Hashem's hand, i.e. at Matan Torah. It actually belongs in the world of what hasn't yet come to life. Why? Because the only way that Torah can impact the world and a mitzvah can transform something from being madain into becoming a mitzvah object is as when Aid is mekabel Torah mitzvahs on tuta mitzvah befoyal. The only way that can happen would require the Jew to take on Torah mitzvahs and actually perform the mitzvahs. That's what transforms the physical world. But Torah mitzvahs, Torah mitzvahs in their most pristine form, which is Abish's pleasure. And even at the next phase, what Abish is handing over Torah mitzvahs, they're not yet part of the world, they don't yet impact the world, they don't transform the world, they're still in the category of doimem. We don't see the life of godliness in the physical world yet. And the child already knows this. The child learning Rashi knows this. 
the child knows from Pashas Yisroi, that the Abish's tremendous revelation at Har Sinai did not have a lasting impact on the mountain. So therefore, as soon as they stop blowing the shofar, which is a sign that the shechina has now evacuated the space, you can conduct yourself in the mountain as per normal. The mountain retains no holiness. So the child knows as long as Torah is in the Abish's realm, it's not yet affecting the world. We don't yet have the expression of this chidush of the Mishkan and the Mizbeach, which is to transform the physical mundane world into something holy and special. At the same time, you can't deny that there was Kedusha that was invested into the mountain at the time during the period of Matan Torah. Which is why you were not allowed to touch the mountain on pain of death. That's why that label is not silver like the other things that the Nassim brought. It's gold, something more valuable, more than all the other implements or, or, or accessories that were all silver. Because everything that is in the silver realm or in the domain realm represents the prep before we get the Torah and before we can transform the world. This is a higher experience of preparing the world to be ready for its transformation. Therefore, it's a higher value of metal that is used to represent this keli. Now that we understand that Torah and mitzvahs independently don't belong in the realm of the living creatures, it's Torah and mitzvahs when Jews engage with them that they come to life. Then we can understand exactly why Rashi takes six things, rolls them into three, represented by the three kinds of creatures. When Rashi tells us that the three types of animals represent the three segments of the Jewish community and the three elements of Rashi's intention is not to say the three represent the Kohanim, Levim, and Yisraelim, and then plus, independently, they also represent Tanakh. Which would make it sound like there are actually six different things alluded to in this pasuk. Can't be because we've already explained that Torah, in its pristine form, will not be represented by the animal carbonos because the animal carbonos are alive, and the Torah in its pristine form hasn't yet brought that life to the world. What is the message? If we're talking over here about carbonus from living creatures, then we must be talking about Jews. So Rashi's first thing is three species, three types of Jews, Kohanim, Levim, and Yisraelim. But we're not just referring to the Jewish people as they are. We're referring to the Jewish people within their connection and relationship to Torah. So when the Jews learn Torah, Nevi'im, Kesuvim, that is alluded to in Eli Matudim Kevosim. It's not Jews and Torah. The Jews are one with the Torah. So there's not six items in total. There's three items in Torah in total. Because it's the Jew and the Torah as a single item. And that follows on directly after what Rashi told us, that the two bulls that were going to be brought as Shlomim offerings, their connected Moshe of Aaron correspond to Moshe of Aaron. Why Moshe and Aaron 
and a shlamim. Because they, Moshe and Aaron, created harmony between the Yidden and their father in heaven, the Abishta. When did Moshe and Aaron create this harmonious relationship with Debishter? At the time of the giving of the Torah. Not in some poetic, abstract way. By sharing Torah and mitzvahs with us, that creates this peaceful, harmonious engagement between us and Hashem. Now, focus in on the fact that these three species that are discussed at this point are actually going to be brought as Shlomim offering, which is exactly the theme. So that helps us to understand what do the three species represent, the three groups within the Jewish community, but not to highlight the fact that they're great because they're Jewish. But the Shlomim, the fact that they have harmonized themselves now with the three components of Torah, and it's through that connection and personalization of Torah that they actually have this harmony with Hashem. And that also helps us to understand what Rashi says next, our big question about the three groups of five. Straight after Rashi tells us that the three Elim Atudim Kvasim represent the three elements of Torah Nevim Ksuvim, as Imam Shechi immediately continues in Demzelvan Dibra Maschal in the same paragraph, Sholosh Chamishios Keneged Chomish Chomoshin Vuchulei, that the three times five represent the five books of Chomish, the five Dibras on the one side and the five Dibras on the other side. What's the flow? The fact that Rashi presents that as part of his same conversation of how it is that the three represent the three aspects of Rashi is not suggesting now that the five, the, the, the three fives that are represented in the Pasuk are a new topic. It's actually a, a it's an expansion on it's an explanation of the Torah Nevi'im and Kusumim. Why? How? Remember, we're looking at the difference between how the Torah is in its pristine form in the Abishtu's world, where it doesn't yet bring life into our world, versus Torah as we engage with Torah. So that's what we're talking about. We engage with and we become one with Torah. We're not, we're no longer talking about the Torah as Kafachas, the Ibishtus Torah, in the Ibishtus realm, where everything is one. The Nasim Dafka bring their represent, representation of Torah in groups of five. Five shows that there's diversity. They were no longer in the space where everything is one, where everything is pristine. We're in the space where there is diversity, and we're bringing holiness into that diversity. When you're looking at Torah from the Abishta's perspective, is Gans Torah Inyan. The whole Torah is a single message. We see this illustrated in the fact that the Ebishter was able to pronounce all Aser Sadibros in a single statement. Parenthetically, by the way, that's why when Rashi does explain Kaf Achas, even though he's out to explain the meaning of the, or the symbolism of the word Kaf, he includes the word Achas in his headline. Which is strange, considering he's only ostensibly explaining the meaning of the word Kaf. Because he wants to highlight that here we're talking about Torah in its 
unified state. That's where that we're talking about how the Torah is given from Hashem, not yet translated into human experience. Isn't it? Doesn't matter that the Ebush is presenting it as 10 separate Dibros that incorporate within them 613 mitzvahs. It's all a single unified principle. But when the Yidden receive and take the Torah mitzvahs personally, now we can start to identify the distinctions between various elements of Torah. That the five key books of Torah. And yeah, the Chumash Mitananda, Teichon and Ander, in Yonim, each Chumash has a different theme and expresses different messages. On the Ischalkos from Mitzvahs, and each Mitzvah is different and unique. As in the Aseris Adibras, was called Targmas, as Bechal Aseris Adibras saying, and the first place where you see the diversity within Mitzvahs is in the Aseris Adibras themselves, that incorporate all of Judaism. They're also split into two categories. Five that belong in one category, written on one luach, which are, so to speak, the positive mitzvahs, and the other five, which speak to the issues of transgressions. But when you go back to how the Torah was presented from the Ebishter, then the whole thing is alluded to in singulars, a kaf achas, a single ladle. Asura, it's the five and the five coming together in a single unit. Nitzvei mol chamesh, not two distinct elements of five that have nothing to do with each other. Because from the Eibishter's perspective, you don't see the diversity and separation. Everything is absolutely one. Needless to say, our job is to find within the diversity of our experience that oneness of the Eibishter, which is the Chiddush of the Mishkan and of the Mizbech, which is what the Nesim through their Korbanus wanted to represent. And hopefully we get to achieve in our lives. And then we can say, Hashem Echod, Shmoy Echod, will be Zechot to the Mashiach and the revelation of absolute unity of Hashem in this world.